Welcome to the Fantasy Hangover, a weekly fantasy football podcast. You can download us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Also, head over to KnockedOutEntertainment.com for some other great podcasts and content. We're your hosts. I'm Shane. I'm Carl. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Now pop some Advil and grab your Gatorades. It's time for your Fantasy Hangover. And welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy Hangover. Um, you will notice that there are only two voices again this week uh, because Shane and Chris are both MIA. Yep, they're both gone again. Uh, Shane is still out in Colorado. Actually, I think he's expected to be back tomorrow, Carl. Uh, yes. Which we- would be Wednesday because we record on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So when you're listening to this, he'll have come back yesterday. Which like, is, what oh. is this Donnie Darko up in here? Oh, uh, wow! That's the reference. You, okay, yeah, that, that's. <laughs> um, the anyways. days of futures past. <laughs> the days of futures past. Why we? But there's no reason to bring him back. Let him. Let him sit. Let him rest. Let him get healthy. Let Fitz Magic fling the ball out there. For his like 18th team, um, which by the way, do you? Side note, fun fact that I heard on a different podcast. Do you know how many teams combined Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick have played? For? Oh my god! Because the Jets and Bills played, or the Jets and Bucks played this last Sunday. Okay, so McCown. <laughs> Just take a guess. Um, I'll say nine. Fifteen. What? Oh, I suppose McCown's been in the league a lot longer. And McCown was part of the Arizona Cardinals that ruined the Vikings' playoffs hope back in the day. Uh, yeah, he was the he was he was the quarterback. The quarterback <laughs> just knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. No, no. <laughs> that God, was Paul that, Allen, everybody. God, that is the best sound bite ever, and I want it for a sound bar someday. <laughs> just make it your ringtone. I. I've tried to... I should... It's, it is on YouTube. I can do that. Dude, we have the technology. We can build it. We can make <laughs> it stronger. More obnoxious. Um, I, I, I like Paul Allen, even though he is a huge homer. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> 15 teams? Yeah. Jeez. All right. Just throwing stuff now. All right. So moving on to... <laughs> let's go more injury news. Um, Joe Hayden is out for three to six weeks with a broken fibula. So the broken lower half of his leg. We'll see. <laughs> they I mean, say three to six weeks, but... I'm gonna go six on that. I'm gonna go six too, but... Yeah, um, I mean, that's a big that's a big hit to a very good Steelers... De- well, a good, de- a good Steelers a, defense. A defense that has been very good all year. Mm-hmm. With the exception of of the game against the Indianapolis Colts this past weekend, which <laughs> was just mind-blowing. Which Hayden went down in. Yes. So, there's that. Um, <laughs> is there a correlation there? Uh, you know, maybe. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Maybe the Colts will come up in our fun facts section later. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's called foreshadowing, kids. All right, moving on. Um, Alan Hearns is currently on crutches. Um, but if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, don't you fret because 
Dede Westbrook is coming back. The 35-year-old rookie, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry, 28. He's 26. The 26-year-old rookie who's been on IR all year is finally being activated because they have no one else. Hey, a lot of people go to college for seven years. They're called doctors. Dede Westbrook is not a doctor. Um, Was that before or after he assaulted a woman? Whoa, not wrong. Not inaccurate. <laughs> um, Anywho. After, after. Um, no, but Dede was showing some flashes when he was on the field earlier this year, but he... He hasn't been on the field, Carl. Yeah, he... he was on IR. I could have... Well, he he might have been on preseason, but he was definitely not playing in the regular am I re- season. Am I really thinking of preseason? You're I thinking preseason. I could have swore it was week one. No, you're thinking preseason. Oh. Well, never never mind. But anyways... But he showed flashes when he was yes. on the field for a little bit. Yes. Even if it was preseason. But be... I mean, pick him up, stash him, but be wary that this guy's like 5'8", 160 pounds. He is a tiny individual. He will get wrecked. I, I would say someone's got to catch balls from Blake Bortles, but... Uh, He's got to get him to him first. Blake, yeah, Blake Bortles needs to throw an accurate pass first. Um, so just kind of going rapid fire with the rest of the... Yeah. I'll shut up the, so you can talk. The morgue here. Um, both CJ Procise and Rob Kelly are on injury reserve for the rest of the year. Um, I believe the rest of the year. Yeah, at yeah, this point. It would, at this point, it would be the rest yeah. of the year. And then uh, the last bit of news is uh, Greg Olson is slated to come back to the Carolina Panthers roughly week 12 but he's currently calling games for Fox is it yeah and the Minnesota Vikings are not exactly thrilled about that well because because he will be calling the Vikings game against against the LA Rams LA Rams Vanaheim uh this weekend and in a few weeks I believe it's week 14 the Vikings face the Carolina Panthers so how this if this was a Bill Belichick coach team, I would probably have questions just because we know we know Bill and his tricks. But but still, if you're if you have any sort of like football mind, why do you go, hey, I get that you want experience calling games and stuff. You want to, you know, set yourself up for a career after you're done playing because that those days are coming soon for Greg Olson. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but if you know that you're still playing and or if you're some exec and you're like, oh, you're still playing. Oh, you're on a you're playing on the Panthers. Well, who do you face later this year? Okay, well, I probably shouldn't put you on any of the games that you're facing those teams on. Like, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I get it's a fair argument. Yeah, and Greg Olson even came out and he, he goes, well, I I can I obviously see where they're coming from. Like, I do what they tell me to do, though. Yeah, exactly. He's like, this is my job right now. Like, I have a second job. Yeah. And it's calling games. So it wasn't like Greg Olson went, Ooh, let's let me, you know, announce for the Vikings game. It yeah, was, let me hand hey, Greg, these games. You're gonna announce for the Vikings game. Oh, okay. Right. Oh wait, oops, we play each other in a couple weeks. Oh, that one slipped through. <laughs> oh, whoopsies. So But that is all we got for quick outs this week. Um so should we go on to what happened last week with our suds and duds? Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start off um with the people that can't defend themselves. Um we actually we really don't need to have anybody defend themselves because we all had pretty good weeks. What what? Um so for Chris, his sud was Robbie Anderson. 
and he had anywhere from 14 to 18 points. That's, that's a good He league. had four catches, 85 yards, and touchdown. That'll Solid do. game. For sure. Uh, and his dud. Well, his dud he kind of missed on. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had seven catches for 111 yards. That's a pretty good week. That's a pretty good week. Um, so he kind of missed on that, but it's still he he had a good sud, and I'll give him a pass on his dud because it's DeAndre Hopkins, and they had to throw, and they had to throw to somebody. Yeah. Because um, Will Fuller got lit up, I believe, in this last game and suffered a cracked rib. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I still haven't seen the hit, but I I plan on watching it. Uh, over and over. And- yeah. And uh, Shane, his sud was Deshaun Jackson. Uh, six for 82 and no touchdowns. It's 14 points PPR for a wide receiver two to flex option. Mm-hmm. I'll like, take it. Oh, I would absolutely take that. Eight points standard with no PPR. It's a little bit rough mm-hmm. there. It's kind of a kind of a miss slash wash, but uh, we'll give it we'll give it even money for 14 yeah, points in hap- PPR. Happily even money for that one. Yep. Um, and his dud, he probably had the biggest hit of the week. Uh, Adrian Peterson, <laughs> all day. 21 carries for 29 yards, no oh. touchdowns, and one catch for 13 yards, no touchdowns. Oh. Wait, so his average... Look. He averaged like 1. 1. 1.2 yards carry, 1.3 yards carry. Oh, delicious. Um, oh, I love it. And he had 20... He, he had 42 yards on 22 touches. So he didn't even average two yards a touch. Woof. Um... So yeah, that was a hit. Good, good job, Shane. Mm. Uh, Carl, you are up next, and you kind of missed on your son. Yeah, Corey Davis didn't exactly have the best game out there. Yeah, um, it was kind of a rough game, but you know who did have a great game is Demarco Murray. Right. <laughs> that was that was insane. Yeah. Um, I think he had like twenty eight points, twenty nine points in our dynasty league. It was it was nuts. Um, but you're oh okay. So you kind of missed on both your sud and your dud, Carl. Yeah. Uh, do you yeah. do you want to mention your dud or do you want me to just take care of that for you? You can just take care of that for me. Okay. So Carl's dud was Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins had 327 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. But he also had five yards rushing and two touchdowns. Stupid. So he was good for about 30 points. Yeah. Um. So we'll move on to mine. Appreciate that. Uh, my sud, I nailed with Robert Woods. Eight yep. for 171 and two touchdowns, including a 94-yard touchdown. That was a sweet Boo catch and throw. Yakasha. Six one nine. No, that's Booyaka. Oh, that's Booyaka. Booyaka Shah is t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, dud was Marius Thomas, which had it not been for the garbage time touchdown... I would have been fine because he only had five catches for 44 yards, but he also had the touchdown. So I missed yeah. out on my dud by a little bit, but we'll see if we can do better this week. Yeah. All right. So, you know, a few hits, few misses. It's, I mean, that's kind of it's our MO. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> All right. So this week we're kind of doing something a little bit Something, something. Um, I apparently you know why because you forgot to bust the cab, bust I, the tap, bust the cab. I did. I don't. I don't have one near me. Uh, course. Um, You're not even drinking course. I know. I'm drinking a Giant's Bane. I'm drinking a Tormund Giant's Bane from Fair State Brewing. It's delicious Imperial Stout, by the way. 
FYI, if you if you're out there, get you some. <laughs> so again, last week we kind of changed things up a little bit. Um, this week we're gonna do something a little bit different again. Yeah. So we we did kind of mention at the end of the podcast we're gonna do a this or that segment, but we're going to talk about two players that are around the same age, around the same talent skill level in dynasty formats on which one would you rather have long-term? So, you know, we're going to, we're going to debate this this week. Um, we, we were trying to come up with a name for it to involve like Ezekiel Elliott and Tom Brady with their court hearings and everything. (laughs) Star caps. And and then the Williams, (laughs) the the Williams wall, um, for those of you Vikings fans back in the day. Uh, we tried to come up with something like that. We couldn't do it, but essentially it's going to be, it's the fantasy court. Is we're, what going, we're, doing. we're going to appeals court. Yeah. <laughs> we're well, appealing. We're appealing to our players. And just like Ezekiel Elliott, our judge is currently on vacation. It's true. Um, and he will be back uh, next week to render verdicts on who he thought were the, you know, were the winners of the arguments that Carl and I are going to have. <laughs> or he, who he thinks is the player that he agrees with. Yeah, that too. That, that could easily be his criteria. Um, so we are going to start things off. We're each going to get 60 seconds to argue the player. Carl, if you want to go first. All right. So, oh. Oh, I, that sounded like it hurt. Oh, I hope that came across on the oh, microphone. It, it definitely did. <laughs> so. Carl just nailed his elbow on the, on, the, on the tabletop. Oh, that was the funny bone. That was like right in the joint. <laughs> oh, oh, that's not funny. No, it's kind of funny actually. Um, so should we mention who the who we're arguing for and against her? Yeah, well, so I think I think I figure we'll go like by rounds. So okay. we have four rounds. No, round one. Round one. Fight. Fight. Um, so round one, uh, we are going Antonio. We're talking about Antonio Brown versus AJ, AJ Green. Green. Um, I will be defending. Uh, my defendant is uh, Antonio Brown, and my. I, I don't think you're using the word defendant properly, but no, not at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm defending. I'm defending Antonio Brown, Antonio and Brown. I'm defending AJ Green. So Carl, on your mark, get set, go. So looking at Antonio Brown's future as a whole, we have to kind of look back at his past, and his past. Um, breadth of work has been he has been the wide receiver in fantasy football production Um, he's been top three wide receiver for the past three years and he has not shown any signs of slowing down this year even with a slow start from Ben Roethlisberger Um, that team still has weapons that has it has weapons around him and even last year when there was a little bit of subpar quarterback play looking to the future when Ben Roethlisberger isn't there I still say that he is going to have ample opportunities to get the points necessary to be a top five wide receiver moving forward. It may not; he may not be, you know, over a hundred catches a year, but he's going to still put up damn good numbers moving forward. All right, you got three seconds left. Uh, go bikes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm not even going to venture a guess where that came from. All right, so I am going to... <laughs> the depths of my soul. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with AJ Green whenever Carl wants to press the start button that I'm sliding my phone over to him for. <laughs> I thought you were sending me pics here. I'm not Brett Favre. Uh, throwing pics and texting chicks. All right, three, two, one. Okay, 
AJ Green, since entering the league in 2011, has had one season under 1,000 yards. He was a first-round pick. He was a top-five NFL draft pick. He came to a team with uh, the man I like to refer to as the Red Rifle, and they've grown up together. They're both on 28, 29, 30, right around that age range. And they have a special connection where A.J. Green will go through... He'll just... he'll uh, Words. A.J. Green is the best deep threat in the NFL. Andy Dalton has no problem throwing him the deep ball whenever he feels pressured. A.J. Green is usually... is going to be good for 1,000 yards and 6 to 8 touchdowns a year. That mm-hmm. is great production. Antonio Brown is about to lose Ben Roethlisberger, who is... He is a shell of his former self this year. He's about to lose him to retirement. Roethlisberger wants out of there. Green has a longer shelf life, and I'm done. All right. So next uh, we have round two. And do you, do you want any final words on the brown-green scenario before we move on? Did I miss something? Oh No, I was just wondering if you wanted to... Since we had a minute, like, just a quick discussion about it. Oh, sure. Yeah, we can discuss it. Um, and Because otherwise this is going to be a real quick podcast for folks. Yeah, yeah. so uh, with the brown-green argument, it's you, you definitely have to take into consideration the quarterback situation. For sure. Because we don't know who's going to be in Pittsburgh next year. I, I, I can almost guarantee you it will not be Ben Roethlisberger, mm. but we don't know who it's going to be. Right. If it's someone like a Kirk Cousins then Antonio Brown's stock is through the roof, in my opinion, because... But it's all about chemistry. We don't know if they're going to have chemistry together. We learned this year by throwing in Terrell Pryor and Josh Doxson as the starting receivers for a Kirk Cousins team, they're not the same quality as Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon were. true. That was over 200 targets and 200 catches that he lost. So and we've seen Kirk Cousins drop down. So are you saying that Antonio Brown is not in the same breath as Pierre Garçon or Deshaun Jackson? That is not what I'm saying. That I, 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 I like your little smile and smirk there and see where you're going. But what I'm saying, though, <laughs> is that Kirk Cousins has never thrown Antonio Brown a ball in his career. Yeah, that's- so you don't know what that team is going to be like. Look at Des Bryant and Dak. Dak doesn't trust Des Bryant. It's true. De- Dak, when he targets Des Bryant, I think I remember reading, he had like a 70 quarterback rating when he's targeting Des Bryant because he just doesn't have chemistry with them. I would say that it is a much different offense, though, since Dak has taken over because when it was Tony Romo, it was a little bit more aired out. They didn't rely as much on the run as they did uh, last year when Zeke came in. And they had a rookie quarterback, so they have been relying on the run. Where I don't think Dez has been getting as many... like He has not gotten the breadth of targets that he... I like using the word breadth. Where he hasn't been getting as many targets as he used to with uh, Tony Romo's... Tony Romo at quarterback. I think a lot of it has to do with trust. I think it has to do with trust and chemistry. Do you think... I mean... I think a lot has to do with just the the game like the game plan for the uh, Dallas Cowboys personally that's okay no that's fine and I I'm not saying that you're wrong um, I'm just saying that I, I guess I view it differently mm-hmm. so because I, I view it as a quarterback to wide receiver chemistry thing because you need 
to build chemistry with a guy. You need to have that trust. A couple months in the offseason where you get to practice a couple times a week doesn't help build chemistry. Right. I mean, there. in my opinion, there's two, two groups that need to operate on the same frequency in the NFL. First one is the offensive line. Second one is your quarterbacks to wide receivers. We're quarterbacks to pass catchers. If you don't know what that wide receiver is doing, how are you going to trust where you're going to put the ball? It's true. Big Ben throws to Antonio Brown knowing Antonio Brown's going to be where he needs to be, and I trust he's going to be where he needs to be. A.J. Green and Andy Dalton have that same thing, where they say, I know where you're going to be, and even if I throw it off a little bit, you're going to catch it because you're you can leap you're through the freak. roof, yeah. and you're a freak. Um, I've never been the biggest AJ Green fan personally. Mm. Doesn't mean I don't respect him. Right. It's just he came out with Julio, and I love Julio. That's true. <laughs> um, I guess I just I my concern comes with Andy Dalton's consistency because if, oh, yeah. ha- if we were ha- if we were having this same discussion prior to Week Four of this year, and we were talking about Andy Dalton and you know his touchdown interception ratio and you know, his chemistry with any one of his other members of the offense at this, at that rate. I mean, we would be, I feel like it would be a very, I feel like we would be much more concerned about AJ Green's future. Yeah, for sure. And well, cause we don't even know Andy Dalton's future. We don't know Marvin Lewis's future. It could be AJ McCarron's team. It could be. Although, no, actually it won't be because no, it'll, that'll be the Browns. Well, no, he didn't you hear what happened after that failed trade? Mm-mm. Oh, AJ McCarron is filing a grievance against the Brown against the Bengals because he is a restricted free agent this offseason and he is filing a grievance to be a unrestricted free agent. Oh, geez, because he's tired of he's tired of riding the pine when he when teams want him to be their starting quarterback, right? And he loses out on that. Via a technicality, via someone, yeah. via someone not, via supposedly, the Bra- supposedly, 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 the the Browns pulling a Browns. Yeah, um, yeah, no. So we'll, I mean, Shane will decide which one he, which either player he likes better or which argument he liked better. But <laughs> maybe both, maybe both. Um, so do you want to move on to our next round here? Yeah, let's go. All right, so Carl. Who are you going to be defending this round? I will be defending one of the top running backs in the NFL today, uh, Mr. Todd Gurley from the Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim. And I will be defending the top running back in the NFL today, and that is Mr. Le'Veon, can't stop smoking, Bell. Ring that bell. All right, and on your mark, get set, go. All right. Uh, well, Todd Gurley is one of the few uh, first round uh, first round running backs that have been picked up over the past few years. Um, a lot of people, a few people, were kind of surprised when uh, Jeff Fisher pulled this move. Um, when they had a okay, I mean, they had an okay running situation, but Todd Gurley was one of those rare, um, hard to find running backs coming out of Georgia, even with an. In- with a fairly substantial injury coming out of college, he was still picked first, you know, uh, first round as a first round pick. Moving forward, the big thing about the entire team is youth, and Gurley has a lot of pieces around him. It's a very young team. It's the youngest head coach in the NFL. Uh, he's got Jared Goff, who's coming into his own, who's a great, great asset in the passing game. I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would say that. Um, 
the wide receiving core is good at um, I'm going to run over for a little bit for a couple seconds okay. here. Um, Gurley has yes he had troubles last year finding the end zone but this year he's he got over that sophomore slump and he has shown that he does belong in the NFL he can make catches out of the backfield he can run between the tackles he can run outside of the tackles he I think he's second in the league right now in all purpose yards second or third um, because I think it's Hunt I think Hunt's still first I think Hunt's first but I think Gurley's either second or third I can't remember which one but he's in the top five but Gurley is right now the number one running back in fantasy yes he is currently the number one fantasy running back and I think that this is more this is closer to the real Todd Gurley I think the real Todd Gurley is standing up right now um, yes, thank you for slapping your head, face palming that. I deserve that. But um, that's that's not to put anything against your guy. Yeah. But I think I would moving forward, I would rather have Todd Gurley, just because he. I know the situation that he's in. I know where he's going to be for the next few years, and that may not be the case with the other guy I'm, <laughs> that you're defending. Yeah. But uh, let's hear what you got to say about your boy. All right, yeah, boy. so I'll go ahead and start this, but I'm not going to adhere to time rules, apparently. Um, <laughs> so let's go. I was in the middle of a thought. All right, uh, so Le'Veon Bell. Um, he is maybe next to David Johnson. He is the biggest dual-threat running back in the NFL. He has a running style that, one, does not take big hits, and he does not... He, he doesn't go down a lot on the first contact. It usually takes second, third, fourth guy to actually take him down when he's running the ball because he doesn't just blast through the hole. He finds a spot, and he picks his spot, and then he goes through it. He's also a great receiver, and we've known that since his rookie season. He And the thing about Todd Gurley, like you mentioned with his sophomore slump, is the lack is that's a lack of consistency. Bell has not had a lack of consistency since he's been in the NFL. He has always been a consistent player. He's always been one of the top guys at his position since entering the NFL. Now, he really exploded in his second year, and he's just taken off from there. But this is a guy right now who, despite Kareem Hunt rushing for insane numbers the first eight weeks of the season has now been surpassed by Le'Veon Bell for yardage. Le'Veon Bell is right now the leading rush yard, rushing yards guy in the NFL. And it's it's close, but it's, if you were to factor in how much time he's actually taken, it's it's not close. Um, he's not really a touchdown machine like Gurley seems to be, but he's just... I feel like any offense that Bell goes to, he is going to change the game. He's one of those guys that and he's only 26. Mm-hmm. He's still got three to four years left of his prime. Gurley's 24, 25, so he's yeah. probably got, you know, three to four years left of his prime. Mm-hmm. But I would rather have Bell because I know what I'm going to get on a week-to-week basis. And it's consistency. It's Antonio Brown, like your argument earlier. Yeah. Antonio Brown's consistent. Mm-hmm. Bell is good for three to six catches a game. And... 70 to 100 rushing yards at minimum. At minimum, He's also good for about two to four games out for a year. Well, no, because he is next time it's going to be 10. 
next time. Well, I'm not. I'm not even just talking about the suspensions. I'm talking about the injuries as well because okay. he's had a few injuries throughout his career. Um, says the Todd Gurley defender. He hasn't been injured in the NFL. In the yet. NFL. In the NFL. But uh, he had a he had bad injuries in college. He had two bad injuries in college, which you know were his ACLs. But you know. It's, I mean, they're they're not that important to run, right? No. ACLs aren't important to be able to run and use your legs, right? I don't know. Let's call AP and see how he did after an ACL injury. <laughs> 2K? What? Um, no, like, I, I agree. Le'Veon Bell is one of the most consistent running backs and one of the probably the most patient running back I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen someone just... St- stand. stand he, and, he stands he, and he, waits. He stands and waits, but he's still looks like he's moving like it yeah. still feels like he's keeping his momentum going forward just in like limbo it's the most bizarre thing to watch and like actually pay attention to it's like how does he do that and for a guy that's 6'1 220 pounds he is very elusive mm-hmm. he is he's a big running back that's elusive as all get out um i've been a i've been a Le'Veon bell fan since I watched his rookie, his college tape before he came out in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate what Gurley's done, but the Rams are coming in with a brand new head coach with a brand new offense that this team's never seen before. Mm-hmm. You've seen what Le'Veon Bell has done for years and years. Yep. Is this a case where maybe teams are going to catch up to what the Rams can do, and then they can stop them? And it very easily could be. Um, or it could be a case where I'm not saying we've got the next Bill Belichick on our hands, but <laughs> I, I, Shane, I, don't listen. Shane, don't listen. I, I said it's not like, all right, that means I'm not comparing. But it means you were going to. No, I'm just saying he, like, the, new, the head coach could. Maybe he knows how to adapt and change his game plans yeah. and keep things fresh to where people aren't necessarily going. Oh, I've seen. I saw this all of last year. Let's yeah. just stop Gurley, and we can stop the pass. Or let's just stop the pass, and we can stop the run. Yeah, and I know that you mentioned too with Bell. We don't know where he's going to be next year, and you're 100 percent correct. We don't know where he's going to be next year. But I think he could go to, as I said before, any offense, and he's going to be fine. I, I think he, honestly, one place I would really love to see him go would be Oakland. I want to see him go behind that offensive line with Crabtree, with Cooper, with. Lynch uh, with no Lynch. Lynch is done after this year. <laughs> There's no way that that team can, given his production, can keep him around. Hmm. Uh, so you put him on the Browns, and you think he's still good with that offensive line? Yes. You got you got two Pro Bowlers. You got one All Pro blocking for you. Yeah, hmm. I think if he runs to the left side, he'll be fine. Right side, maybe not so much. Maybe but if he runs much. to the left, he'll be fine. Well, there's no guarantee Joe Thomas is back next year. Yeah, it is. they gave him an extension. They gave him a raise after he got hurt. Did they really? Yes, they gave him a raise after he hurt his arm. Because you know why? It's the Browns. It's the Browns. All right, do we want to move on to round three? I think this one could be fun. This one's... This is all of the hype. <laughs> this round is all of the hype. Mm, it's production. It's production so far, but it is... I mean, yeah. I mean it's a lot of hype. Um. So this round... I will be defending Alvin Kamara from the University of Tennessee and, and Alabama and, and Alabama. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, he was at Alabama for his freshman year, 
and I will be defending Ed McCaffrey. I mean, Christian McCaffrey. Hashtag go Hawkeyes, go. Hashtag Rose Bowl. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God, this hurts so bad. I never thought I'd see the day where Carl defends Christian McCaffrey. Uh Write this stat. Write this Do you want down. me to go first so you can get a minute to collect yourself? Yeah, if you could. I just okay. need to clean the vomit out of my mouth. Sounds quick. good. Um, so, with Chris, with Alvin Kamara, sorry, <laughs> not Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Alvin Kamara, he, coming into the NFL, was an unknown commodity. Nobody had any idea what to expect because he was used in such a limited role at Tennessee in his really one year of production there. He was behind multiple guys... And people question, can he be a full-time running back in the NFL? Well, then comes New Orleans. And New Orleans goes, we're going to sign Adrian Peterson. And we're going to draft Alvin Kamara because we hate Mark Ingram. But the problem is, is that AP sucked. AP, AP didn't get a lot of touches and he wasn't good. So they wound up trading him. Since week one, Alvin Kamara has not had one game under double-digit points. He has been dynamic in every aspect of the game. When you watch him play, he is ridiculously elusive. He gets in the open field. He has great balance. Um, A couple weeks ago, I don't know if you saw the touchdown that he had. Um, It was like a 37-yard touchdown. But he was getting tackled, being brought to the ground. He put his hand down, spun around, and then proceeded to go upfield for the touchdown. Hmm. He is a special player. Do I think he can be a full-time back? No. But as long as Sean Payton is coaching this team and Drew Brees is the quarterback for this team, they're going to win. And they're going to give the ball to Kamara, as well as maybe Mark Ingram if he's there next year. But Kamara, even though despite the fact that he's got prototypical size, he doesn't have that, he could still be... A, a, a three-down running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, Darren Sproles at times has been a three-down running back. It's because it had to be, but... Yep, and I, I know we're supposed to be defending our guys, and I'll get to... Uh, I do have one point that I want to make after you're done with um, Christian McCaffrey, but okay. he's, in a, he's in a super high-potent offense right now that's just destroying the NFL, and nobody expected them to be a running team, and he is a run, he's part of a running team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, production screams loud. He Right now, he is the number... Seven running back in full point PPR scoring. Jeez. Christian McCaffrey's right behind him at number eight. Yeah. But he is the number seven running back right now in PPR. Hmm. All right. Go ahead, girl. So a lot of people saw Christian McCaffrey come out of um come out of Stanford. They saw this gadget player, this, you know, weapon this jack of all trades. Um and he so far in this league has proven to be that. Um, however, more so recently over the past couple weeks, Jonathan Stewart has kind of um, fallen out of favor with the uh, um, with the guard with the Carolina Panthers. Yes, thank you, the Carolina Panthers. I can't believe I forgot the team name. Um, and so Christian McCaffrey has gotten a little bit more of a um, option to show what he can do in the rushing game. Um, now it's not been a lot of rushes, but um, a couple weeks ago, when the ball was when Jonathan Stewart fumbled the ball twice, um, Christian McCaffrey ended up getting 15 touches, uh, which he turned into 66 yards and a touchdown. 
uh, which is a you know 4.4 yards per carry average, yeah. which is very good. He for the year has has averaged three yards per carry, about 20 yards per game. He only has 206 yards and two touchdowns rushing. However, in the passing game as a PPR threat, he has 57 catches for 433 yards and three touchdowns. He has 57 catches right now. He has 57 catches on the year. Jesus. That is insane for a running for a running back. Like, let's no, be honest, he's a receiver. He is a receiving running back. Like, he is he is a better Darren Sproles. He is he's he's what Darren Sproles, what people wanted Darren Sproles to be. He's yeah. I mean, the dude is a playmaker. He's going to be a playmaker for a long time. He can do a lot of things when he has the ball in his hands whether it be in the return game, the receiving game, or running between the tackles, he has the patience, he has the vision to immediately just turn a game on its head and yeah. say, hey, look what I can do. Yeah, no, I get that. Are you all set? Uh, yeah, kind of hurt, but it's all right. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna play Duck Hunt here, and right now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot down three things that you threw out there. Okay. One, look at the carry count for this last game. That just happened last night. Jonathan Stewart true? had 17 carries for over 100 yards. And Christian McCaffrey only had five. Yep. For how many yards? Uh, uh, 23. Okay, so five carries for 23 yards. Yes. Compared to 17 for 100 and some odd yards. The second thing, Carolina does not like to use him as a running back. Clearly. Clearly. Because <laughs> he is the biggest offensive threat next to Cam on that offense, and they won't give him the ball. They are scared to give him the ball. They have come out and said, we need to limit his touches because of his lack of size. Mm-hmm. He's six foot, 200 pounds. He's bigger than LT. He's bigger than Barry Sanders. Both of those guys were smaller than Christian McCaffrey. LT was like 5'11", 5'10". Barry Sanders was like 5'8", 5'9". Christian McCaffrey is listed as 5'11", 202. Okay, well, during the combine, they, the combine. they, had, they had said six foot. So he was probably like five eleven and three quarters, um, but yeah. So the 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 offense doesn't like him. <laughs> they aren't. They don't know how to use him properly. Mm-hmm. And that's where my thing comes in with Sean Payton and Alvin Kamara, is because Sean Alvin Payton. Kamara is known is getting a lot of usage. It's because Sean Payton has used a running back like Alvin Kamara before. Mm-hmm. With- he knows what to do with him. Well, he's used a few of them because he's used Reggie Bush. He's used Darren Sproles. Yeah. So he knows how to utilize a running back like that. Whereas I, I'm i not saying that Christian McCaffrey is a new breed of running back by any means, but because he is very similar to the running backs that I just mentioned. But I, I understand. Yeah, he's. Do me a favor quick, Carl. And look up Christian McCaffrey's total touches on the year. Uh, total touches? Yep. Um. So, sixty-nine rushes and fifty-seven uh, receptions on seventy-nine targets. Um, math is hard. Uh, sixty-nine plus fifty-seven, so seventy plus fifty-six. Uh, one twenty-six. One twenty-six. Okay, so one twenty-six. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Alvin Kamara. Let's see. He has sixty-four that. rush attempts and forty-two catches. Um, and around around 800 yards of total offense. So, yes, he does not have as many catches as Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. um, but it's not by that many. It's it's only by a dozen or so. Mm-hmm. 
But how many how many total yards? Uh, 639. Okay, so he has almost 200 more yards of offense. Alvin Kamara does over Christian McCaffrey. In an um, offense that knows how to use him. No, I know. I get that. But Ron Rivera ain't going anywhere. That's true. <laughs> Is Sean Payton going anywhere? From the south, based on this season, no. They've re- they've reeled off seven games in a row. Exactly. So, it's, but that's what I'm saying though. Oh, is if, if yeah, Ron Rivera stays there and doesn't know how to use Christian McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara and Sean Payton stay together, and Sean Payton knows how to use Alvin Kamara, you don't think that they'll learn? My other question that my my biggest concern with Alvin Kamara is not the offense, is not the offensive scheme. There's been a lot of questioning on if Drew Brees will be there next year and what Drew Brees' future is with that team. I don't think you can plug and play Garrett Grayson. Um, no, but that that if Drew Brees were to leave New Orleans, which he came out today, actually today, and said, I don't plan on ever playing for another team. If Drew Brees leaves, I I firmly believe that New Orleans would be in the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. I, would, I think they would be another team that's in there, and Cousins would be an idiot not so, to go to that offense. You've got super studs with Mel, with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. You've got a super stud with Michael Thomas. So if you're Kirk Cousins, let's just play... Let's play... Let's play... Wait, what if? Well, let's play what if. So if you're Kirk Cousins and you have an offer, exact same money, exact same years, everything you want... From the Pittsburgh Steelers and from the New Orleans Saints, who do you take the deal from? I take the deal from New Orleans. And I would take it from the Steelers. Okay. <laughs> because, and well, here's here's my argument with the Steelers. Okay. The Steelers, in my opinion, have a better structured defense. They still have the weapons on offense, especially if Le'Veon Bell does stay. Have you seen how New Orleans defense has turned around this I, year? I have seen it. Okay. Um, but especially with with Joe Hayden and everything like the Steelers defense has been very stellar this past yeah, like, for this sure. year. Um, especially with TJ, TJ, Watt, TJ Watt, yeah, TJ Watt, um, with the other Watt child. Um, sorry, Derek. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> shout I'm out, a fullback. Shout out to, uh, gridiron Heights. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, no, but as a overall team, I would rather be on, the Steelers with a I mean with the weapons of Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster has shown that he is actually a very good he's, he's a good wide receiver he's a good second, he's a good Robin in a rookie season where people don't know how to he's, play against he's him? Martavius Bryant Martavius Bryant did the exact same thing Mm. Martavis Bryant had like eight straight games of touchdowns. Juju's had like three. Yeah, I, I get what I get what you're saying though. I under, I definitely understand. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that they are the exact same player. I'm no, just yeah, saying, no, no. I, I I'm get just that. comparing. Like, wouldn't it be funny if Kirk Cousins went to New Orleans and then Drew Brees went to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I'm just throwing that out there would be hilarious. I think that would kind of suck for Pittsburgh. Oh, that would that would royally suck for Pittsburgh, and it would royally suck for Brees because Brees is an indoor quarterback. Right. They don't play indoors, and they play in the winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, P- Pittsburgh is not a warm place to play. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess I like Pittsburgh better. That's fine. And so, so you know, really quick, I'll just make my argument, and we'll get back onto our yeah. main topic. Uh, the reason why I would choose New Orleans over that, 
one, you play in a dome. You don't have to worry about weather affecting you for at minimum eight games a year. Then you add in Atlanta playing in a dome. That's another game. So you're playing in a dome for nine games a season. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed nice weather <laughs> in a dome. You, you don't have anything affecting you. Unless a hurricane hits, but... Mm-hmm. Um, two, you have a 23-year-old stud-wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You have a 22-year-old stud playmaking running back in that offense. And then you have Kobe Fleener at tight end. Um, so that's kind of a wash. But you, you have you have the pieces in New Orleans to thrive for the next five years. Antonio Brown is 29 years old. 28, 29 years old. Mm-hmm. He... Him and Kirk Cousins would probably be retiring at the same time together if and that were to happen. And wouldn't that be a great riding off into the sunset thing? Yeah. And to go off the argument that you've been making a lot tonight, um, oh, so it's a, a rookie running back that they've never seen before, and they don't know how to, and they don't know how to. But Sean Payton know like, and the, based on the argument that you made, Sean Payton knows how to use this type of running back and how to get him in the open space and get him the correct usage without being able to game plan against it. How many teams were able to stop Darren Sproles? Not many. Mm-hmm. How many teams were able to stop Reggie Bush? Not many. Well, in, in the way he was used though, I'm not saying as an actual running back, but as a playmaker, Reggie Bush did most of his damage as a punt returner. Uh, in- false. He did most of his damage as a receiver. His rookie year, he had like 85 catches. And then what did he do after that? He still kept putting up receiving numbers, but he just sucked as a running back. But he did not put up the same amount of... He didn't put up those types of receiving numbers because people knew how to combat him. Well, they also had a running game that they wanted to lean against, too. Um, I mean, there were a lot of factors that go into it. Yes. We're we're arguing mute points here because it's... it's, Like, I get what you're saying. and, And I get what you're saying. I just... For all we know, he signs back with Washington, Washington and they pay him the $30 million a year that they're already paying him. Mm. Um, and then it's, it doesn't matter. It's true. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, I like the debate. It's fun. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see who's wrong in the long run, but I think this I think it'll be, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this so far. Um, so do you want to move on to our last round then? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. So we've got, we've made it this far. Yep. So round four, we decided to give you guys some quarterbacks. <laughs> Because apparently we needed to. <laughs> um, I thought it was a good idea. No, it's a good, it's a good idea. Um, I will be arguing on behalf of uh, Mr. North Dakota, Carson Wentz. And I will be arguing on behalf of Jared Goff. And what is funny about this that I just realized, Carl, is that you actually should have taken Goff because you already did Gurley and use the arguments for Gurley that I'll probably use a lot of the same things for Goff. That's probably... You <laughs> know, go ahead with Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz was the number two overall pick in the draft uh, last or two years ago um, to Mr. Goff. However, even at the onset of his rookie year, he has been showing that he is the, in my opinion, the better of the two quarterbacks. Um Granted, he has had weapons around him much more than Jared Goff. Yeah. Um, you know, for well, he I'd he say had, even weapons. I'd say, I would even, say weapons. even weapons, but he didn't have Jeff Fisher year one. Correct. 
which is something that I did not use in my argument for Gurley, which I should have. Son of a... Um, <laughs> anyway, well, for his slump. Yeah. Anyway. Um, no, Carson Wentz has a lot of weapons around him. They added Alshon Jeffrey. Um, in the run, running game, if Darren Sproles was still alive, he would be another weapon there. But they added Jay Ajayi. They have the pieces around him to make help him succeed, and he has done nothing but succeed this year. Uh, the dude doesn't make mistakes. He puts the ball where it needs to go. Um, he's giving receivers chances to shine. Even random guys like Mac Hollins are shining in this offense, and it's because Carson Wentz will spread the ball around and just do what he does, and that is help his team win games. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <coughs> he, I mean, he did nothing but win in college. He won, I think it was three national championships, and he's proving that that pedigree trans- can transfer over into the NFL. Not all, you know, college championship winning quarterbacks succeed in the NFL. Tim Tebow, um, any Oklahoma quarterback, um, any Ohio State quarterback. Ohio State. Pretty much 90% of the quarterbacks that win the national championship, to be honest, um, don't really do great in the NFL. No. Well, because it's usually scheme-based. But Carson Wentz is showing that even though he is a D, was a quote-unquote D2 talent in um, college, he has the pedigree, he has the will and the drive to succeed to be a top five quarterback in the NFL, which he is right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, and as I said, I'll be talking about Jared Goff. The first thing I want to look at is, as we mentioned, or not really as we mentioned, but Carson Wentz right now is everything for that Philadelphia team. Mm -hmm. He is is Tom Brady for Philadelphia. He is... Peyton Manning for Philadelphia. He, he is, is Andrew Luck for Philadelphia. He is the Philadelphia MVP. Yeah, he is. He, he, is might, there, he, he might is. be the NFL MVP at the end of the season. It's true. It's very possible. Now, we don't usually go just strictly based on numbers, but I think numbers are a good thing to look at. So right now, uh, Carson Wentz is out playing out of his mind right now because he's completing uh, 60.5% of his passes for 2,262 yards. And 23 touchdowns to five picks. Mm-hmm. Great numbers. Fantastic numbers. MVP numbers. Jared Goff has posted, is po- completing 61.2% of his passes. So he's completing a higher percentage of passes. 2,385 yards. Passed for more yards. Uh, let me vet that to make sure that. Yep. So he's passed for a little over 100 more yards. And then 16 touchdowns to four picks. For a guy that is. His top receivers are Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins, who maybe catches a ball a game, and it's usually for a touchdown. But the biggest difference is that Philadelphia had a higher caliber overall team this year. Mm-hmm. And they got Alshon Jeffrey, they got Nelson Aguilar, they got Zach Ertz, they got, you know, 14,000 running backs that they've oh. acquired. Carson Wentz is, is putting a lot on his shoulders. But Jared Goff is with Sean McVay is taking this team and turning it into a contender. Mm-hmm. They are right now seven and two, I think, mm-hmm. and they are leading the NFC West by a couple games. That was Seattle's division for five years, six years. Goff is going to take this team 
this team will go as far as Goff goes. Last year, Goff was 0-7 in his rookie year, and he looked he looked like he looked like garbage. But that was also with nobody to throw to. Now he's got receivers on his team. He's got a running back who's coming back into his own. He will lead this team to the promised land. I you know what I would love to see is a Rams Eagles NFC Championship game. Oh, I would love to see that game. <laughs> that you know what for story writing purposes that would be dope. That would be fantastic. The number one pick versus the number two pick. Oh, it would be so good. (laughs) But that, I mean, I know that my argument was mainly numbers based, Mm -hmm. but you got to look at the body of work. Yes. Jared Goff right now is not playing the best in big game situations where Carson Wentz is. Mm -hmm. I mean, both teams have played against Seattle. One of them was super efficient. The other one threw four picks. Right. (laughs) I mean... And actually, it's funny because I'm pretty sure all of his interceptions in the season came in that one game against Seattle. That might be true. Um, to be honest, the Rams' body of work in general has not been the greatest this year. Um, I'm not saying they've had a light schedule, but their wins this year have come against uh, the Colts in Week 1, the Niners in Week 3, the Cowboys in Week 4, which they only they won by 5 points, uh, the Jags in Week 7... Week seven, uh, week six, week six, um, which is a good win. Um, the Cardinals in week seven, which who they shut out, who they shut out, which you to shut out anyone in the NFL is an impressive feat. Um, however, the Cardinals, I think at that point were without Carson Palmer, probably. So they were without Carson Palmer and David Johnson. Um, they destroyed the. The New York left, Giants. What's left of the Giants. And they beat a shell of a Texans team without half their defense and their stud quarterback. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not giving them excuses. However, the next the next three out of their four games are against the Vikings, the Saints, and the Eagles. Those are three of their next yeah. four weeks. It That's going to be very telling. Yes. A, about that team as a whole and be about Jared Goff as a quarterback. Yeah. So, and then, you know, we look at, we look at Carson Wentz, his schedule right now. They week one, they played Washington and they won 30 to 17 week Mm -hmm. two. They lost to Kansas city who was on fire at that time. Uh, and have since fizzled. They barely beat the giants 27 to 24. Mm -hmm. They barely beat the chargers 26 to 24. That, that Giants game, that was one of the weeks that uh, OBJ was back, right? Yeah, OBJ would have still been around yeah. that, at week three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, because that was the fire hydrant. That was the fire hydrant celebration. Oh, yep. We're getting in trouble for that, yeah. yeah. But the Rams aren't winning these super close games. They are beating opponents handedly. Whereas the this Eagles, as I said, they beat Carolina by five points. And then, granted, they've destroyed they destroyed two of the, their two last two games, but one of those is against the Niners. So I'm not going to put too much onus on that and one. And the Rams only beat the Niners by two. Yeah. So I, I think they're pretty evenly matched teams right now. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the numbers look better for Carson Wentz because he's playing bigger. But Jared Goff's right up there with him. Yeah. And I, think, I, I personally think long-term that you know, I, I personally would rather have Goff because I was a bigger Goff fan even coming out of college 
Um, but I'm not. That's not saying that Carson Wentz isn't a fantastic quarterback and a top five quarterback. I'm just saying personally, I'd rather have Goff, long term. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So then we'll go ahead and let Shane be the deciding judge next week. Uh, if Chris is back, then Chris can definitely judge as well. Um, Good luck sifting through that. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we just won't have him judge. Maybe yeah. we'll just let the let the fans decide who won their arguments and which way we swayed. Who won? Who next? You decide. Uh, epic rap. No, no. I don't know what Carl's doing. Epic rap battles of history? No? Okay. Oh, no. Sorry. Don't watch that. Oh. I, I don't anymore, but I used to. It was good. Ah. All right. So now do we want to go to Suds and Duds? Certainly. All right. So, Carl, do you want to start with the people who can't defend themselves? Um, I'm trying to find it right. Oh, blah, 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 blah. there it is. All right. So, um, Chris is taking a bye week, though, Chris, by the way. Chris is taking a bye week, which that's that's fine. He's got a lot of stuff on his plate. Um, so we will go with Shane. <clears throat> and I quote, My sub this week is Marvin Jones. Looking for a bounce back against a decent Bears secondary that loves giving up long touchdowns. Giggity. Dud is Alvin Kamara. Big week against the Bills, but the Redskins are decent against the run and can defend running backs catching out of the backfield. I agree with his dud. Um, mainly because, um, I mean, you look at the Minnesota Vikings, They Jerick McKinnon has had a few very good weeks, and last week he was pretty much silent the entire the entire game. Well, it's because they were able to throw the ball all over the place. Well, I... <laughs> Case Keenum had four touchdowns. But even when they were running the ball, he didn't do anything. No. And that neither did uh, Latavius Murray, really, for that matter. No, Latavius had, like, one decent run, but that was about it. Yeah, so, I mean, running backs have been relatively quiet against the Redskins yeah. of late. So. No, it's a, it's a fair argument. I mean, I, I hope he's wrong. Yeah. But it's a fair argument. The Marvin Jones one is interesting. I don't see him winning this one. Personally. I, I've learned never to doubt Shane at this point. <laughs> I even said that in text message form earlier. Oh, that yeah, I, there it is. I even said that, too, that I'm learning not to doubt Shane. But I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't feel like that's going to be a good one this week. Yeah. All right, Carl, do you want to move on to yours, or do you want me to go do mine? Sure. I will start off with um, my sud this week, I believe, is going to be Adam hooked on a Thielen. Um, going up against the Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim, um, the Rams have been pretty good against the pass, but not, like... They're not star-studded. They're not star-studded. Um, I mean, looking at the teams that they gave up the most against the past two. Uh, you look at the San Francisco 49ers, where um, they kind of got lit up. Um, the Cowboys put up good aerial numbers against them. Um, but then you've got, you know, Blake Bortles. You've got Russell Wilson, who isn't... I mean, he's a good quarterback, but he's not... He's not necessarily a throwing quarterback. Right. Um, the Texans with Tom Savage. The Giants <sighs> with no wide receivers. Uh, the Cardinals with a broken white running or yeah, a broken quarterback. Um, they haven't really been tested too much aside from like Kirk Cousins in week two when they lost. Yeah. Twenty seven to twenty. Um I guess Adam, Adam Thielen has kind of had a coming out party the past couple weeks. And it's I, this year. This this year, yeah. 
And I think that it continues this week against a Los Angeles team that maybe not isn't quite as good as advertised. I think they're still good, and I think yeah. they're still a playoff team, but I don't know that they're quite as good as advertised. Do you want a fun Adam Thielen fact? I love fun Adam Thielen facts. Right now, he is, yardage-wise, he is the third leading receiver in the NFL based on yardage. Really? Yes. Good for him. Nope. He's right behind Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Hmm. So good for him. Good for him. All right. Excuse me while I stretch for a second here as I mentioned my dud. And Carl, I, I hate you. <laughs> um, I'm going out on a limb and I'm going to put my dud as Le'Veon Bell. If this happens, I blame you and solely you. The Titans, ever since getting embarrassed a number of weeks ago, have had one of the best defenses in the NFL, both passing and rushing. Yeah. Granted, they haven't faced great offenses since then, but they haven't been going up against Powder Puffs either. No, I mean, they're on a four-game winning streak right now. Mm, and that doesn't happen by accident. No. Um, so I, I'm i not saying I'm expecting it, but it's a Thursday night game. Anything could happen, and yeah. <laughs> I would not be shocked at all if Le'Veon Bell got put in check this week. Oh, when he when he scores like thirty points, Carl, I am just gonna rub it in your face. Oh, I'm 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 kind of not expecting to win this one, but I I, I like the bold move. It, it, it's our bold moves have paid off in the past. Yes, Julio Jones, AJ Green, they've paid off. Call I just it, really hope it, you're it's wrong. It's just a it's just a gut feeling. Um. I mean, oh, I'd right. still start him if I had him. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but... no. Yeah, definitely don't don't bench Le'Veon no. Bell because Carl says that he's going to be no, a dud. Please don't. He'll still get flex numbers, I promise. Carl doesn't want that on his conscience. No, I don't want you to lose a playoff spot because you're like, oh, he said he was going to be a dud. No, I don't think he's going to put up one, running back one numbers, but he's still going to give you... He's still going to put points on the board. Yeah. So... Um, so... Uh, are we are we good on yours then? Yeah, we're good on mine. Okay, so we're gonna go on to mine then. Uh, my sud is going to be Melvin Gordon. Uh, Buffalo <laughs> is the Chargers opponent this coming week, who just allowed two hundred yard rushers and six rushing touchdowns in one game. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute, oh, yeah. folks. Drew Brees even had a rushing touchdown against against the Bills. <laughs> hey, he didn't want to miss the party. Nope. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I think Melvin Gordon, who had a very down week this last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that was just an ugly, ugly game on both ends. Um, two of the top 10 running backs in the NFL with Melvin Gordon and Leonard Fournette failed to get 50 yards apiece. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it was, it was gross. It was rough. It was rough. Um, and then my dud is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Two simple facts. One, Tom Savage is still your quarterback. I get that he's peppering Hopkins with targets, but that's where the point two comes in. Patrick Peterson is going to be shadowing him. Pete. So, yes, DeAndre Hopkins is a great weapon, but Patrick Peterson is a great cornerback mm. that's playing on a great defense. That defense alone this week is stream-worthy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, if you have a chance to pick up the Cardinals defense and play him, I would pick him up and play him. They're, they're probably picked up in some leagues, but yeah, you never know. You never know, because generally when offenses become bad, people will stray away from defenses. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we're not winning games. And it's like, well, you're still, I don't know. 
Just because your defense is on the field more doesn't mean that you're giving up more points or not forcing turnovers. Yeah, for sure. So are we ready for some fun facts before we get out of here? Are you ready for some fun facts? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Okay, Shane. Shane always made up songs on, on these fun facts segments. That was Are You Ready for Some Football by Hank Williams Jr. But you also said fun facts. So yeah, like I ch- you just changed the words. Yeah, I added So he kind of made up a song. I covered a song. I changed the lyrics. You covered a song a co- and changed the lyrics, so you, you made up a song. I don't see your logic. <laughs> um, all right, so <laughs> first thing here, uh, Kenyon Drake on Monday Night Football had a 66-yard touchdown run. Yes, he did. Which was two things for the Dolphins. It was, one, their longest play from scrimmage this year. I believe that. And, two, their first rushing touchdown of the year. Oh, my God, it was the first rushing (laughs) touchdown. That's right. Yep. So they had their first rushing touchdown. Here's where it gets kind of gross, though. 93 players had scored rushing touchdowns on the season going into Monday Night Football. 93 different players had rushed for a touchdown before the Dolphins got one. Wow. That's... <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> I- including Jay Ajayi. Yes. <laughs> Who got his first touchdown on a different team. Yes. Good, um, good for him. Bill Belichick this week uh, beating the pants off of the Denver Broncos... Um, tied Tom Landry for the third most wins by a head coach in NFL history, including the playoffs. Huh. Third, third, third most? most. Yep. So he tied Tom Landry for the third most. Um, do you happen to have who the top two are? I don't, but if you want to look that up while I'm finishing some fun facts, I know you're sitting back enjoying your beer, but fine. Um, make me look in my phone. Adrian yeah. Claiborne. Had six sacks against the Dallas Cowboys. Go Hawkeyes. <laughs> on Sunday. His highest total in a season prior to that was seven and a half. He almost matched his career high in a full season in one game against the Dallas Cowboys. That's not good. It's not great. After week 10, the Browns still have yet to hold a fourth quarter lead in any game this season. What? They haven't had a lead in the fourth quarter in any game this season. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty bad. So the last team with, uh, we mentioned earlier, the Saints had six rushing touchdowns on Sunday. The last team to do that was the Chiefs in 2004 when they had eight against Atlanta. Mm. That was definitely Priest-Holmes. And I'm pretty sure he had like six. Yeah. Himself. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, and then let's see here. We have... I do, I do have the other two coaches, by the way. Oh, okay. What are the other two coaches? Uh, do you want to guess? Uh, no. No. Um. Oh, John Madden? Nope. No. Okay. Hmm. Um. Who was the Green Bay coach? Nope. No? It's not Vince Lombardi. Whatever, he just has a Super Bowl trophy named after him. Yeah, I know, right. Um, I have no idea. So the uh, top-ranked coach... Unless you're going to say Bill Walsh. It is not Bill Walsh. Okay. Um, The number one-ranked coach has the distinguished fact of being the only coach to actually coach a completely undefeated season, uh, Don Shula, 
Oh, nice. Formerly of the Baltimore Colts and the Miami Dolphins, uh, where he won a ridiculous 347 games. Jeez. Uh, his career winning percentage was .665. Um, not even the highest in the top three. Um, number two was the former coach of the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Staley's, and the Decatur Staley's, uh, George Hallis. I'm sorry, though. Who? Uh, I don't know. The Decatur Staley's, the <laughs> Chicago Staley's, and then your NFL Chicago Bears. Okay. Um, George Hallis, who... Interesting. Won 324 games, um, but had a career-winning percentage of points, uh, 67%. He Damn. won 67% of his games. Damn. Still not the highest in the top three, because the one that you mentioned, uh, Mr. Bilbilicic, uh, has won... Oh, God. I, I would assume it's like 73. Not that high. Um, he did coach the Browns. Oh, that's right. Um, he is at 68%. He won with with the Browns. He was thirty six and forty four, okay. um, so he had a losing record. Um, he was one and one in the playoffs. I hope he has less regular season losses in all of his years with the Patriots than he did with the Browns. And it's closer than you think. Um, he has two hundred and eight wins with the New England Patriots mm-hmm. and seventy three losses. Oh jeez. Um, but that is that pales in comparison to the fact that he has twenty five. Playoff wins to nine playoff losses. Uh, Tom Landry is the next closest with 20 playoff wins. Wow. Um, that is... That's nuts. Insane. John Fox is number 23 on this list. For most wins. Fun fact. Fun fact, okay. Fun fact. Um, Alright, so moving on, we got a couple more things here, and then we'll go ahead and let, you, let everybody go here, but I hope you're enjoying the fun facts. Uh, <laughs> Andy Reid is 10. Cool. Go oh, ahead. Nice. Jacoby Brissett now leads the NFL with five completions of 60-plus yards this season. Neither Peyton Manning nor Andrew Luck ever had more than three 60-plus yard completions in a season. Let that sink into your head. I'm giving you a look. That's gross. Right? It's not gross. It's insane. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's insane. Um, oh, this one's fun. On back-to-back plays, Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick each threw an interception. The first time two QBs threw interceptions on consecutive plays this season. And then, oh. of course, it had to be McCown and Fitzpatrick that did that. Classic. Uh, let's see. And Oh, this one's kind of interesting here. Uh, Jimmy Graham has two receiving or had two receiving touchdowns on Thursday Night Football last week. He has 15 games with two plus receiving touchdowns since 2010. The other players that have done that are Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, Megatron, mm-hmm. and Gronk. Gronk. That's a pretty pretty elite class of pass catchers to be with. Oh, it's some elite sauce. And then that actually, I think, does it for today. Let me just double check. Um, oh, Buffalo's 37-point loss to New Orleans was their worst home loss since 2007. Mm. Two Shane's New England Patriots. All right. Who beat who beat the Bills 56 to 10. Hmm. Hmm. 
And that's all I have for fun facts. Alright. Well, we've pounded our gators and drank our profins of Ibu. I, I don't know. I'm really tired. I'm not going to lie. Alright. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, we drank all our Gatorade and finished all our Taco Bell and hopefully you guys all survived the week and we oh, wish taco, you luck for next week. Taco Bell sounds really good. It but does. Soda's making the playoffs, so good luck in your playoff pushes, people. All right, and make sure your, your league doesn't have a sub, week 17 playoff because that's terrible and your league shouldn't do that. Mm, our couple's league does. I know it does. Yeah, that's... It's gross. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>